Hey everyone, welcome back to the Monclova Baptist Church podcast. We're thankful that you joined us today. Hey, if you would do us a favor at the end of this episode, make sure that you follow us on our social, Instagram and Facebook, and subscribe to our YouTube channel and hit that bell button so that you get notified every time that we post new content. If you also want to stay connected with us beyond Sunday morning, make sure that you download the MRBC app on the Google Play Store or the App Store. Now let's dive in. I apologize for limping around up here with a cane and sitting in a funny chair. Uh, just a while back, I broke my ankle and I'm in the process of getting it mended up and I never appreciated an ankle until now. Boy, all of a sudden I'm looking at stairs and everything with a new challenge in life. Thank you for the great spirit that you have in this church. Such a privilege to be with your pastor. Turn in your Bibles, if you would please, to Luke chapter seven. Luke chapter 7. In this passage of Scripture, this, Jesus is going to say something that is amazing. And if you're here and you know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, how many of you know the Lord as your personal Savior? Then you want to listen to what he just said. Remember, without faith, the Bible says it's impossible to please God. Doesn't say it's difficult, doesn't say it's challenging. The Bible says without faith in Hebrews 11, it is impossible to please God. Now Jesus is about to meet a man. And here's what Jesus is gonna say. I have met one person, not one, I've not met one person who has the faith that this man has. His face is so incredible that I'm going to be awed by it. If the Lord were here this morning and could walk the aisles, and he is here, and if we were to say, evaluate us, tell me about my faith. Tell me about Pastor Rand's faith. What would God say about our faith? Remember, faith is the substance of things hoped for. Let's read the story of how this happened. Chapter 7, the verse of Luke, verse 1. Now, when he had ended all the sayings in the audience of the people, he entered into Capernaum. And a certain centurion's servant who was dear unto him was sick and ready to die. Now, this centurion, remember, is an unbelievably powerful man. He's a representative of the Roman government who rules by terror. Now, can you imagine this man could take anything from you he wanted to take without consequence. He could kill you without consequence. This man was unbelievably powerful. But he's got a sixth centurion servant. And when he heard of Jesus, he sent unto him the elders of the Jews, beseeching him that he would come and heal his servant. And when they came to Jesus and besought him instantly, saying that he was worthy for whom he should do this, for he loveth our nation, and he hath built us a synagogue. Now he did something to advance their faith. And Jesus went with them, and when he was now not far from the house, the centurion sent friends to him, saying unto him, Lord, trouble not thyself, for I am not worthy that thou shouldest enter under my roof. Wherefore, I neither thought I myself worthy to come unto thee, but say in a word, and my servant shall be healed. For I am also a man under authority, 
having under me soldiers. And I say to one, go, and he goeth, and to another, come, and he cometh, and to my servant, do this, and he doeth it. Then Jesus, when Jesus heard these things, he marveled. He marveled at him. That word marvel, I think the word we'd use today is he was blown away. He was awed. He marveled at him and turned him about and said unto the people that followed him, I say unto you, I have not found so great faith, no, not in Israel. What was it that this centurion did? Well, I know one thing. He built them a synagogue. He advanced their faith. He took the faith they had and said, what can I do to help you conquer this world? That wasn't in his best interest. He's a Roman centurion. And that, by the way, is the privilege that we get. We get the opportunity to take the faith of Jesus Christ and give it to this world. Every single person in this room has an appointment with God. Every single person in this room has an expiration date on their life. I hope you live a long time. I hope I do too. But no one can guarantee tomorrow. What we know is we have this moment. That's why the Bible says today is the day of salvation. Seven times, Brother Rands, I've preached the message of a healthy teenager not knowing it's the last one they would ever hear. They were young, they were vibrant, they were full of life. Little did we know when we said amen, that'd be the last amen they'd ever hear. If this were your last service, if you never ever got to be in another church service, say another prayer, are you ready for that moment when you leave this life and you're now standing before God. And I'm so thankful to be here on a friend day because we have the honor and the privilege of sharing Jesus Christ with people. In Las Vegas, Nevada, there was a very famous magician team and comedy team called Penn and Teller. They, for 40 years, were at the cream of the crop for the shows in Las Vegas. They made millions of dollars for their services a week. One day they went up to Gillette Penn and they said, what do you think of these Christians that want to share Jesus? And what he said amazed everybody. He said, do you understand if you really believe that after this life it's heaven or hell, and if you really believe that the only thing that can change the destiny for eternity is Jesus Christ and accepting what he did when he died on that cross for you, if that's what you believe, he said, how much would you have to hate somebody to not tell them that? How much hate would you have to have to not share it with somebody? By the way, if you're on your way to heaven, it's because somebody shared it with you. 
And now we get the privilege of sharing. Never forget the message of God. I love John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth on him should not perish but have everlasting life. We get to tell people, boy, there is a gift, and it's fueled by love. I learned a lesson one day a number of years ago. I was traveling through the Texas Panhandle. It was one of those days when it was 110 outside. And when you travel through the Texas Panhandle, you can smell oil. Even where they're not pumping it, you can smell it. And I'm going along and I stopped at a gas mart and I got my favorite health food, Twinkies. <laughs> By the way, Twinkies are in the Bible. The Bible calls it manna. That's what the Bible <laughs> calls it, okay? Oh, I love Twinkies. They're gonna be serving them at the marriage supper of the lamb, okay? <laughs> well, I bought a bunch of Twinkies and cupcakes and I'm just flying down the road. I'm in the middle of nowhere, making my way towards Pampa, Texas. And I unwrapped one of the cupcakes and one of the Twinkies, and I put it in my mouth, and something horrible happened. It was full of bugs and mold. I mean, I pulled it away, and bugs were all over my lips. I looked at that tweet and bugs were crawling everywhere. Sweet Alabama. Whoa. Man, I spit that out as fast as I could. Then I did what I shouldn't have done. I decided to throw it out the window. And so I rolled the window down on the far side and I took those two things that were all spoiled and bugs everywhere, and I'm spitting them out, and I winged it out the window, and out it went. And perfect, I missed the window, I missed the car, it went right out. But the reason I'm telling you this story is something else went out. I went, and my wedding ring came off. And it was like in slow motion, it just tumbled through the air. And out the window it went. Oh no, I slammed on the brakes. What in the world was I gonna do? Well, a thought came to me, wait a minute. You got a shot to find it. The Twinkies went out with it. Find the wrapper, find the Twinkies, find the bugs. And you got a shot to find your wedding ring. Now this wedding ring is important to me. You see, the lady I love, my bride, who was very poor at the time, gave this to me. And we exchanged a vow. She's the love of my life. And it may not mean much to you, but it means a lot to me. Well, I stopped and backed up, and now I'm walking along the edge of the road trying to find those wrappers, and I found them. 
The wrappers weren't hard because they were colored and they could see them there. So I walk back in where I found the wrappers and I'm walking around looking and I'm in brush like up to my knee and I'm pushing the brush aside and I'm just looking at everything. And after about five minutes, a semi pulls up and stops. And he parks and he gets out. And I thought, oh, I wonder if he's gonna help me. But he doesn't help me. He just parks his truck goes up and sits on the fender of his truck and lights up a big cigar. And he's sitting on the fender watching me try to find my ring. Well, after a few minutes, I said, out of curiosity, what are you doing? He said, well, I just stopped to see you die. I said, I beg your pardon? <laughs> he said, I just stopped to see you die. I said, listen, it's hot out here, but I'm not going to die of heat stroke. He said, no, heat stroke's not going to get you. I said, what do you think's going to get me? He said, you have any idea what you're standing in? I said, yeah, a bunch of brush. He said, no, you're standing in the most intense amount of extremely poisonous rattlesnakes in Texas. And he said, they're going to get you. You can't get out of it. And I just wanted to watch you die. I thought, what a gentleman and a scholar. <laughs> Good night. And I told him, there, there, there's, there's no rattlesnakes here. I haven't seen these snakes. He said, oh, you're right in the middle of them. So I reached down and I took one of the brush and I pulled it up and I, I started pushing it a little bit. And then I heard a sound I wasn't ready for. The snakes were hissing. And pretty soon they started crawling. And there were dozens of them all around my feet. Now maybe you know what you do in that moment. I know what I did. I yelled, yikes. And I started running. You'd be amazed how a fat boy can run when he's got snakes around. Whoa. But those snakes that quick bit me. Now, fortunately, they didn't penetrate my skin, but they bit my pants. And I'm running like there's no tomorrow. And I got a dozen snakes hanging onto my britches. I made it to the edge of the road. You'd be surprised how fast you can get out of your pants <laughs> when you got snakes hanging on them. Man, I said, you want them, you got them. I tore them off, man, down they went. Not one bite. The guy sitting on the truck fender said, that was amazing. <laughs> now I'm standing at the edge of the road with no britches on, no pants. And the snakes are taking my pants and walked them back into the brush. I called Pastor File, the man I was going to see in Pampa, Texas, 
I said, preacher, I got a problem. He said, what's the problem? I said, well, number one, I need you to bring me some pants. He said, you don't have pants? I said, no, I don't have pants. He said, can I ask how that is? I said, no, because you'll call everybody and tell them how it is. And I said, I'll tell you later. But I need you to bring me some britches. And I need for you to bring me a, a mower. I said, I need the nastiest weed eater you got. I grew up on farms, and boy, we love weed eaters. I said, we need a rotary mower like this, a spinner. I'm going to nail those snakes. He said, can I ask why you need pants and a mower? I said, no, it'll be clear when you get here. Two hours later, they showed up. I explained the story to him. He said, Brother Gibbs, why don't you just forget it? Just write it off. I said, because I love the girl who gave this to me. And this is what we sealed our vows with. It matters to me, preacher, because I love her. I got my britches on. He brought me way too small of a pair. <laughs> we fired up that mower, and man, we, I went after those snakes. I found my pants. They had built a nest in my pants and put a bunch of little baby rattlesnakes in it. Man, I killed everything in sight. Now I got them and me, we're going up and down looking. And Pastor Faust said, Brother Gibbs, look at here. Here's your ring. I said, oh, thank you, preacher. This matters. When I told my wife that night what I did, she said, honey, you didn't have to do that. I said, I didn't do it because I had to. I did it because I wanted to. Because I love you. Do I think any of you would have went in after it? No. I wouldn't go in after yours. But I'm telling you what you love you will always pursue. Always. Mercy. That's why the Bible says for God so loved the world that he gave. Every time I slip this ring on, I think, Lord, thank you for loving me. Thank you for coming after me. By the way, how many of you are amazed that God loves you? Hold your hand up, would you? Yeah. How many of you, if you were God, you'd thunk yourself a good one? How many of you? Oh, But love pulls you in. And that's what Jesus did. Every time I drive by Pampa, Texas, I think, that's where I lost my britches. <laughs> and that's where those rattlers almost got me. 
right there by the grace of God, something that mattered to me. My wife and I have now been married for 57 years. And for 57 years, this is the token we sealed it with. She's amazing, I married way over my head. How many of you men married way over your head? Hold your hand up. If you didn't hold your hand up, you have a case of the stupids, okay? (laughs) How many of you will admit you married way over your head? There you go. I love Brother and Mrs. Rands, and boy, I say to him with respect, because I love your pastor, how I love Mrs. Rands. What a great pastor's wife. And she's a gift from God. And what we're talking about this morning, the Bible says, is the unspeakable gift where God sent his only begotten son to make salvation possible for you. And he had to leave heaven and had to come down into this world in order to make it happen. Wow. If you don't hear anything, please hear the next couple of minutes. The Bible starts out with a simple statement that is across the board true. All have sinned. Well, yeah, Brother Gibbs, I'll admit I've done some wrong stuff, but not like some people. I mean, you don't know my mother-in-law. You don't know my boss. You don't know my... You're right, I don't. But here's what I know. Every one of us is a sinner. And how many of you are like me? You're thrilled everybody doesn't know everything you've done wrong, right? And how many of you would admit you are a sinner? Hold your hand up. If you didn't raise your hand, you can do it now. Because every one of us has sin in our life. And the Bible says the wages of sin is death. Death eternally. You see, one day when you leave this life, You're going to stand before God, and here's the question. Who's going to pay for your sins? Who's going to pay for my sins? Who's going to pay for the sins of Pastor Rands? Who's going to pay for the sins of the best one in this church? I don't know who you are, but your sins have to be paid for. And there's two simple choices. Number one, you can pay for them. You did them, that's fair. I mean, you did them, you ought to pay for them. But the payment is unbelievable. It's eternity in hell. Not a long time, not a very long time, forever. And all of a sudden, you say that payment is too much, no. That's the wage of sin, death, and God's judgment. That's why God loves you so much, he sent his only son. And that son came and died so that he could pay for your sins. That day you die, you will either pay for them or you'll be able to say, I asked Jesus to save me and he paid for my sins. 
Have you ever asked him to save you and said, I'm a sinner? Save me. I believe that you died on that cross for my sins. I believe you were buried. And the Bible says three days later you rose again. I believe that. That's the gospel. I have that salvation. It's a free gift. Now the world's full of ideas on how to buy that gift. But the only way you can get it is by faith. Listen, we're almost done. For by grace are ye saved, the Bible says, through faith. That not of yourselves, it's the gift of God. Not of works, lest any man should boast. Do you understand? There is a gift that God wants to give you this morning. You can't buy it, you can't earn it. Would you be willing to accept that gift? That's the question. The reason this church is so passionate about reaching people is because everybody's going to stand before God. And everybody, by the grace of God, is either going to have to pay for their sins themselves or they're going to have accepted the gift of God. Oh, my friend, I tell everybody when I witness to them, please, don't play a gamble with your life. Well, I'm going to do this sometime later. There is no later. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. You want to do this now. Mercy. Dwight David Eisenhower, the commander-in-chief of our armed forces during World War II, was ready to do D-Day a day that would live in incredible times. It's June the 5th, 1944, and he's about to send American soldiers by the hundreds of thousands to the beaches of Normandy. Everybody opposed it. Winston Churchill said there will be a slaughter. Don't do it. But Eisenhower said, you're right, it's going to be a fierce battle beyond anything we've ever imagined. But he said, it's going to be now or later and better now. Eisenhower did a strange thing. He gathered them on the English side and he sent all the chaplains in and gave every soldier a Bible. And he said, the chance of you surviving tomorrow is not great. Please, I beg you, be sure you know Jesus Christ and be sure you're ready to meet him. He had them in there for two weeks. Finally, when it was all done, he walked away from the troops and was going to have to give the signal in a matter of hours. And he sat down and he wept uncontrollably. And his staff came to him and said, General, what's the matter? Do you have second thoughts? He said, no. But all those precious young men, 
sending them to Christless eternity is more than I can bear. I pray, how I pray that they took the gift of life everlasting with Jesus Christ. 5,000 men died shortly. Tens of thousands of others died. And when they asked Dwight D. Eisenhower when he was president of the United States, what's the roughest decision you ever had to make? He said, sending young men, I was not sure whether they knew Christ. That was the toughest thing. You're here, do you know him? Do you have this gift? Once again, no one can do it for you. I know this pastor. If he could do it for you, he would. You have loved ones here, they'd do it for you if they could. Every parent would do it for their child if they could. But the question is, have you accepted him? Yeah, but I didn't come to join this church. This has nothing to do with joining a church. You can join every church in town and the day you die, you'll split hell wide open. Nowhere in the Bible does it say joining a church gets you to heaven. Jesus Christ is the one who gets you to heaven. I wanna encourage you in the next couple moments to be sure you understand time is short. When I married my wife, I married her family. And what a great family. And she had a member in her family, an uncle who was a medical doctor. His name was Uncle Herb. And Uncle Herb was one of these just bigger than life. He was a surgeon. And the thing he did that I always thought was amazing. Every year he bought and drove a brand spanking new Rolls Royce convertible. Now I never knew anybody that had a Rolls Royce, let alone a new one every year that was a convertible. And the first time I met him, he said, I hate lawyers, you know. I said, well, good for you. He said, but I don't know why I like you. And he tossed me the keys. And he said, take my convertible and have a good time with it for a couple of days. You can't believe how people look at you when you're driving a Rolls Royce convertible. <laughs> we were in the car and my wife said, honey, Uncle Herb's not well. And he's not saved. She said, honey, he's not ready for eternity. We got to tell him. I said, we will. And we meant to. We even took gospel tracts to give to him. But somehow it just never connected. My wife said, honey, I don't know how much longer he has. But she said, it would hurt me because I love him for him not to go to heaven. I said, I'll make sure we get him a tract. Well, when he came to the family gathering, he was ill, his hands were shaking. And they took him out early 
We never got to give him the tract. I was on the road and my wife called me and she said, he's in the hospital and failing. And she said, honey, he's calling for you. I said, for me? The guy that hates lawyers wants me to come and see him. She said, yeah. I said, okay, babe, when I get back into town tonight, I'll go right to the hospital. And I meant to, I did. But I got busy. That night when I came home, my wife said, did you see him? I said, honey, I wasn't able to get there. She said, honey, do you realize it's slipping away? I said, babe, in the morning, I'll go down for sure. When I got up that morning, my wife was on her knees praying for her uncle. I made my way down to the hospital. And when I walked in, I said, I'm here to see Dr. Herb Salter. A lady at the desk said, are you family? I said, yes. She said, wait right here. And about five minutes, a doctor walked out and he said, I'm sorry to tell you, he passed away 20 minutes ago. You missed him by 20 minutes. <sighs> wait a minute, I'm here now. How could I have missed him? I'm not the only person here with an unsaved relative. But somehow we just let the time slip by. You just finished listening to a message from the preaching ministry at Monclova Road Baptist Church. If it was a help to you, make sure that you let somebody know about it. If you need help beyond this message, make sure that you follow us on Instagram or Facebook or check out our website, monclovabaptist.org. And we would love to connect with you there and help you with anything that you might need. Have a great week and we'll see you next time on the Monclova Baptist Church Podcast.